with so many different divisions and departments across our campuses working on student success. The challenge is that everybody is going, thinking they're doing the right things, but going in different directions. So how do we bring this all together and provide some focus? So on this episode, we take you into a webinar where we introduced a student success planning process that is designed to help bring some order around all of the activities that you have going on regarding student success on campus and get everybody strategically aligned. Hi, and welcome to the Student Success Higher Ed Podcast. I'm Graham Tracy. And I'm Let's get started. I wanted to present to you this idea of um, aligning and focusing your student success goals. So we broke it down into six steps. I'm hoping that we can, this will be fairly intuitive for folks, and we're going to try to go through it relatively quickly, right? We, I know we have an hour booked, but I don't think it'll take us the whole hour. Um, and then we'll give you some, you know, we'll do some follow-up after the fact um, with some goodies, uh, a little template and some action steps that you can do uh, coming out of this. So I hope it to be both strategic and practical at the same time, if you will. So uh, really, we're, we're talking about student success planning and our student success planning process um, at Starfish. And so as I get started here, why is my mouse not working. There we go. So really, what are we trying to do here uh, as student success professionals? One of the things we're trying to do is scale our student success activity, uh, especially those of you who um, you know, came at Starfish from a technology perspective. And part of the reason you're acquiring technology around student success is to scale the activity that you're doing. Um, and you know, we've been doing the students, we've been in the student success holistic world, if you will, for about the last 10 or 12 years or so. I've been at Starfish um, for almost eight of those years now. And so I can remember when our um, solution set was um, really just an infant. At one point, it was simply an intelligent early alert system and a case management system. And we've really grown. And while I don't want to um, make this a product um, session, really, this is that's not the intention. I do want to point out that when you start looking at all of the things that have been added to um, a tool like Starfish or Holistic Student Success Platform, where you're starting to use data um, and predictive algorithms for uh, understanding risk and the characteristics and behaviors of your students, from you know intervention uh, inventory or cataloging your interventions, using the best practices and the research um, to help the community with interventions, um, you know, whether uh, flexible new student onboarding pathways that people are trying to achieve, trying to get their new students in and fit with the institution right away. Lots of people are going toward monitored um, guided pathways and degree planning uh, systems, even career assessment and guidance um, coming into the mix more and more where advisors are starting to have to deal with um, career planning with students much earlier in the process. Um, and then, of course, analytics that are focused on all of this activity, right? So when you look at the breadth of all of this stuff, for me, what it means is um, that we've got a cross-functional challenge on campus. Because now when you start looking at these kinds of things, we're, we're, it's no longer just activity that sits in the advisor's office. We have to bring together people from across the campus, 
Obviously, we've always had to engage our faculty in this process with early alert, but when we go beyond early alert and start doing many of these other things, we need so many other offices to participate. And we know that they often report up different chains in the institutions. Some are in the student affairs group, some are in academic affairs, some are in another enrollment management organization. And so you've got different um, people and different priorities and so on. And what we really are trying to do here and the work that we've been doing at Starfish, especially in our services group, has been to try to help our clients who know that this needs to be all connected as to into one sort of perspective, if you will, or one kind of framework. How do I align all these disparate groups on campus and get them focused on the activity that's going to make a difference? So that's really what I'm trying to do, and that's why I want to just highlight just sort of the breadth of what people are trying to implement out there. Uh, but let's talk about what we need to be doing on campus, right? So one of the things that we need to do and we found is that we need to elevate student success within your organization. Just going up higher, all the way up to the person, you know, the highest person to take ownership who reports to the president. We find that typically is gonna be somebody like a provost or a VP of academic affairs or a VP of student affairs. Often it's where most of the student, whichever department the student support group rolls up to. Um, so there's this, you know, idea of just sort of, we need to elevate, we need to move toward having an owner. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So there's this elevation that we need to do, elevating. And then we need to permeate, right? So we need to permeate the institution and get everybody on board thinking about student success. And this is where I often hear a lot of people say, well, you know, student success is everyone's responsibility, which is true, but at the same time, when that's the case, it's also nobody's responsibility. So um, there still needs to be that elevated voice that helps to create um, this buy-in and um, attraction across all of these disparate groups to permeate the ideas, um, the student success you know, initiatives and goals and so on. And so that's really what we're gonna talk about today is that you know, we're settling in on a framework of ideas to say, how do we simplify this for our clients and help them organize um, their approaches to student success, no matter where you are from a planning perspective on your campus. Because we find institutions are at all different points in their planning cycle or their focus on student success. So we went out, we said, okay, let's develop a frame to drive the student success work. And you know, at a high level, framework is all about eliciting goals and aspirations that the institution has that are outcome-based. So that's the top level of what we're trying to do. Then we work to define initiatives or strategies that are going to drive those goals. Um, and again, just a curated list of things that we want to work on. Determine then which interventions you have on campus support those initiatives or which ones you might need to devise or enhance to support those initiatives. Um, then implement technology-driven or purpose-based workflows and processes. And we'll talk about all of these things as we go along. Um, and then ultimately, and depending on where you are and whether these are clearly defined at a top level for you already or not, there are other elements of things that are happening already, like um, you know goals and initiatives that might not be clear. Well, you can start to define some of them by way of looking at different populations of interest that you have, cohort groups of students that are underperforming, things like that, 
And then there are often always things that are already happening in your departments, your programs, different courses um, that you have that have been identified for expansion or redesign, and often there's a student success bent to those as well. So we want to capture all of those things and kind of line them up within this frame. So let's kind of walk through it, right? So really high level, just a visual to represent what we just said. Um, there are these four items here, the goals that you have, the initiatives that's, um, that are the strategies to drive those um, goals, interventions that are happening on campus, and basically you see how it's built up here. The in interventions are a collection of activities that you are already doing or that you may need to start doing um, to support those initiatives, and then the workflows that you implement to enable those interventions. And so it's a fairly simple, straightforward approach here. Um, and you'll notice, by the way, there are only four here, even though he said six steps. Don't worry, there's a couple <laughs> bonus steps at the end here. Um, we're going to walk through these four, and then we'll talk about those other two, and, uh, and that's, that'll be the, the bulk of what we're talking about. By the way, if I didn't say so earlier, um, certainly feel free to, you know, I'm going to roll through a lot of material, but go ahead and enter any questions that you have as you have them into the chat. I've got a team of folks here that are going to help um, synthesize them toward the end, and then we'll come back and we'll do Q&A at the end as well. Um, so anyway, let's go through the six steps. So step one um, is about all about that goal setting, right? So getting really clear and specific on our goals. Um, so how do we do this? Well, first of all, let's look to your existing institutional strategic plan, because you all have them out there. If you have a new president or so on, they're more, more than likely you're about to embark on a new um, strategic plan for your institution. It's also, we're coming up on 2020, and I've seen, I can't tell you how many Vision 2020 plans I have seen out there as we do the work with our clients. So you're probably ready to do another strategic plan. Your institution is probably getting ready to do one. But nonetheless, you probably have one out there. We've seen all kinds of flavors of them, but generally speaking, your uh, strategic plan is going to have your mission and vision stated or restated or clarified there. Some top-line measures are often defined. Um, High-level initiatives may even be outlined, but just depends on how thick or thin the strategic plan may be. And But the thing is, the student success is really only a part of your strategic plan, because when you look at your strategic plans, they cover all kinds of things. Uh, research grants that you want to receive, they cover the physical plant on campus, they cover all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, the hospital that you might have that's part of the affiliated with the university, if, you know, those kinds of things, and they're not all going to be focused on student success. So, what we want to do is basically you be like forensics to the student, uh, str uh, the strategic plan, and we want to use it to start building out our student success plan. And so ultimately, we're building off the student success-focused strategy, so there inevitably is something in there about your completion goals that you have or your retention rates that you're looking for for first-year students. There are often also enrollments and other things um, that are maybe tangentially related to student success. So um, basically, you're looking for the ones that are directly related to student success and then the items that are tangentially related, enrollment-oriented or academic kinds of things, and look for the hidden gems that might be student success-oriented and pull them out and document them. And we have, by the way, 
a template for this that we're going to share with you um, after this is over to help you do this. Um, and then you're going to be, this is an opportunity as you start documenting these things, start fleshing out your short and long-term long objectives, refine your student success goals and aspirations. So if they're not super clearly defined at the strategic plan level, now you break them down a little bit and say, okay, how does that thing that says we want to have, I mean, I see a lot of them too like this where they say, we want to be the world-renowned institution in our region that does blah, 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 and blah, 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 but there are no numbers associated with it. Now's the chance to say, hey, let's break this down with a smaller team. And we'll talk about teams. I'll tease that's step five. Um, we'll talk about the team that would help start to create some of these more refined goals uh, and aspirations. And then ultimately, we're looking to articulate and design appropriate initiatives. It's just the word we're calling for strategies. You know, you could use it sort of analogous, right? A strategy or an initiative that you might have on campus. And we use that word really to, you know, programs. A lot of people say we have a program to do this, but of course, people get confused with academic programs. So uh, we're looking for strategic words here to differentiate. All right, so let, that takes us to step two, which is designing initiatives that will help provide focus around the work. Um, and this is one of the things that I think is really key because I have found that, you know, without having some anchoring ideas, people will try to do everything. And it's great because it's out of goodwill and everybody wants to really work hard on campus and do things and grow their own departments and do things like that. But initiatives will start to serve to kind of focus the attention and the prioritization of the activity on campus. So there's going to be tons of things that we're going to want to do, but um, and some things that just as a foundation must be done. But then what are we going to give extra attention and resources to? And then how do we figure out what these things should be? Because if the student success um, goals that we discover through our strategic plan are as simple as, you know, raise retention rate or, you know, completion rate should be increased by 10% by the year 2025, that's great, but doesn't tell us very much about how to do that or what strategies to use. So this is what we're going to be talking about in this section, whereas we're saying what we need to do is a couple of things. Look at student success analytics, so really focused on student success. Analytics that focus on student success are things that talk, to, talk about the retention, the graduation rate, the progression of a student through the institution. All these kinds of measures are the focus of them, right? So it's not just sort of the enterprise reporting that you have to devise yourself, but really purpose-built uh, analytics that will get you to these answers relatively quickly. And we get to then get creative addressing different problems, but also looking to our organizations that have tackled this and other institutions that have tackled some of these challenges that you might discover on campus for some best practices. So just some example organizations, there are dozens of them out there, anything from Nakata to Achieving the Dream to Complete College America. These are great places where they're doing a lot of research-backed work. Our own Starfish Intervention Inventory has a tremendous number. We just launched, we're launching 200 research-backed interventions. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. And so bringing them together and we'll help you bring them together is key. So look into your partner companies as well as a source for some of this um, is also key. But the, ultimately, we have to prioritize and limit. So that's what we're trying to do in this step is figure out, you know, let's get a little more granular. So let's take our top level goals 
and break them down a little bit. Let's slice and dice. So this is where the analytics could come into play. So we need to review retention, our retention rates and our completion rates, but across multiple dimensions. So not just um, high level. We know our retention rate is, you know, 62% and we want it to be 68, but are there specific populations of students that are lagging there? And then do those populations, are there large numbers of those people? How do we then figure out, okay, we've got, you know, several hundred people who are 10% behind our average retention rate for the institution. We should address that population. That might then help us define a specific initiative that we can then use to drive up our numbers and achieve our goals. That's the kind of thing we're talking about when we start using data and analytics is to get more granular on this, identify achievement gaps, uh, understand it, our big risk factors that are affecting the students and student outcomes, um, and then also taking a look, and this is all from the student lens, these examples, but you can also take a look at things through the lens of your academic programs, your curriculum, the course paths, pathways that you have, um, your course sections, gateway courses, and so on that are holding people up. So there's a lot in the academic world that can be studied as well. So you can kind of tackle the problem from multiple perspectives. Um, ultimately, student success analytic solution, the good one's going to be able to help you do the math to determine whether or not it's even possible to reach some of these top-level goals. Um, you know, if you know averages and things like that, and you're able to say, hey, we're 10% behind with this population, but there are only 30 students in that population, and we've got a big goal of 10% improvement at the end of 2025, then we might need to explore expanding the population to more than those 30 students and look for you know, larger groups. Now, having said that, I want to be very clear, um, we also need to be fair in higher ed, so we're helping L students um, you know, move forward. We're not trying to restrict um, the assistance and the help that we're trying to give too, but just trying to think about ways to tackle the problem in almost a mathematical or analytic way. All right, so just to be clear on sort of what those interventions or initiatives might look like, just a couple of examples. Uh, so initiative, you know, just got three examples here. Um, one of them could be we may have discovered through our analytics that we have um, a lot of students leaving in our first year. We may want to, and, and there, maybe our surveys tell us that um, they don't feel like they belong at the institution and they're not fitting. So we may, may need to streamline the student onboarding process or you know, improve the first year experience, for example. That's the kind of initiative or strategy that we were talking about. Or maybe we're plugged in with um, Complete College of America. We've been you know, working on um, the idea of 15 to finish. Uh, so everybody has 15 credits uh, moving forward. Is that something that makes sense or resonates for our institution? And the idea of like maybe building a student momentum year. How do we make it so that our students in their first year start to get exposed to possible major courses so they're not doing it too late in their career? Um, and, um, you know, they have a chance to explore, but they also then work toward their major with maybe meta majors, that sort of thing. Uh, just examples. It's not saying that you have to do these kinds of things. Uh, the third one is let's close some of those equity achievement gaps that our analytics told us that we see underserved populations that are not achieving at the same levels or different groups that we might not have expected um, that are stopping out for different reasons. So. Let's try to tackle those. So those are the kinds of strategies and initiatives that we're talking about. We talk about the word initiatives. Okay, 
So let's roll on to step three. Hopefully this is resonating. I don't know if there are any questions coming in yet, but just a reminder if you, if you have any or thoughts. And thoughts or comments are, are welcome too, so please put them into the chat as we go. Uh, anyway, so let's get back to step three. So this one I'm calling be, be intentional with interventions, with your interventions. So like I said, you've got a lot of things that are happening already. Just to level set again, what do we mean by an intervention? Um, so interventions really are activities that you conduct on campus with re your institutional resources that lead to student persistence and retention at the institution. Um, so it's just that activity, your student supports, the services that you offer, uh, the things that you do to help students fit and belong, to help them change their behaviors, to help them um, achieve what they're trying to achieve in their academics and career aspirations, right? So that's the general term and what we mean by interventions. And really, some of the key things that you need to consider or make sure that you are thinking through when you look at your interventions, this is what I mean by being intentional about them, because yeah, we tend to forget that we have them. It's like, oh yeah, we refer people to tutoring, we refer them to this or that or the other thing. Um, but we have a really difficult time actually measuring them, understanding what they all are, and even knowing that what things exist for what purposes. So we've devised a tool called our Student Success Matrix or our Intervention Inventory that allows you to document these things. And so not uh, to dwell on the documentation aspect of it so much as to say, these interventions really need to, you need to be thoughtful about whether or not this intervention is what it's trying to do. What predictor of risk of a student or success for a student is this intervention designed for? That usually leads you to the idea of what we should be measuring. Um, you know, when is this intervention in the student's life cycle? You know, as some of our initiatives were first-year student example-based, right, that I mentioned earlier. So obviously interventions that we want to deploy to assist in those initiatives need to be interventions that are um, deployed in the first year. Um, you know, there might be things that help them throughout, but at least we're trying to, you know, our focus is on improving that first year experience. So let's make sure we understand what all the interventions are for the first year experience. And if they're not up to snuff, we may need to beef them up, right? So these are the kinds of things about being intentional about your interventions once you have focus on what initiatives you're doing. Um, there are other elements to the interventions, and just so you know, we do have a number of webinars that we've conducted and will continue to conduct. Keep an eye on our webinars page for, or go back into the archives if, you wanna, if you're interested in interventions. We've got a whole uh, set of, of um, webinars for those. Anyway, on to step four. So, um, step, so let's just recap, right? Step one was our goals, definition of our goals. Step two initiatives, step three, intentional interventions. Now we're trying to, next thing is to say, okay, we've got these interventions out here, but are we really optimizing them? Are we using technology to enable them? Or do we have a, uh, a process that is not just a triggering process that we end up getting a student, you know, notifying somebody or a student about a service, but are we actually tracking them all the way through? And so this is where we're talking about um, workflows and processes that help you close the loop so that you know what the full flow of that process is and that are measurable, okay? And so what I mean by measurable, here's um, just 
you know, a snippet of, and this is another one, another plug for another webinar that we do where we go into the details of how to measure interventions. So I just pulled out this one snippet here to just go over the fact that um, we, you know, when you're building out processes and workflows, I can't tell you how many times we're working with a client who does a great job, you know, lining up. I've got flags or alerts for all these different things and they get students get notified about those things but they can't really determine whether or not the student has followed up on those things did they actually go to the tutoring center when they were referred all of those kinds of things and what we also discover is that um, people tend to make too big of a leap when they're defining defining their processes and workflows to say oh this intervention or this process that I'm doing leads to graduation well you know, as my colleague Jan always likes to say, the ice cream social that you have in the dorms, that does not necessarily mean greater graduation. It's a fun thing. It helps people fit into the institution, but you can't make the leap from that ice cream social to better graduation rates. And so that's what we're doing too often. Obviously, it's a fun, extreme example, um, but we're trying to do that a lot with a lot of different situations. What we really want to do is start to measure our workflows and processes I'm over on the strategic measure side here where we collect our data tied to known individuals. So the technology or platform that you're using needs to be able to be one that connects the students to the activity that you're doing to change their behaviors and things, right? We need to track this data over time and it needs to be ultimately roll up and tied to student success outcomes. So again, on the right-hand side, some examples of strategic measurements here. Um, whereas often we're stuck in the operational side of the house where we track the number of students who visited the writing center or the number of early alert flags that might have been raised in our developmental math, we want to start driving toward intentional workflows and process that have measurements like the ones on the right with examples being students who visited the writing center within three days of a faculty referral achieved improvements in their English composition assignments. So we can really need to start thinking about what's the half-life of the activity that we're doing. Um, maybe the second example, developmental math students who received a flag in the first seven days of their course and were contacted by a peer tutor were more likely to pass the course. So we're doing things intentionally within a time frame that is you know, more immediately measurable rather than try to link that to uh, retention at the end of term or to a graduation rate or you know any of the other outcomes that we like to try to tie everything to and the outcomes quite frankly that are in our goals at the top level like we talked about in step one um, so this is getting more specific about our workflows just to bring that point home here's just an example to get you thinking about this it's just like we really need to have measures based on the intervention or workflow timescales that we have. So an attendance flag, somebody who doesn't go to class um, and the instructor raises a flag on that student. Well, we really can't, it's not good enough to just measure like, well, we raised flags on students who didn't go to class, so the course outcomes better, you know, should be better. Well, are you actually measuring whether the student returned to class? Is anybody following up with that student or is it just the notification? If it's just a notification, that's okay, but how can we then make that leap unless we actually know that the behavior we're asking to change changed? And so that's what this is attempting to do is say, hey, 
we have things that we're doing, workflows that are, have a half-life of a week. We have them maybe of a term, like our math tutoring in this class, in, you know, or in our math pathway. We offer tutoring for math. Are we seeing better course outcomes in math at the end of the term? Um, the first year experience might be a year long. So we now are tracking retention to the second year because the first year experience was designed and it has a number of interventions, uh, probably in a number of workflows that stack up to drive that first year experience. And this fourth example is one that you can really think through all the way through completion, um, where in this example, we had an institution that has a large Native American population. So they had a program called the Native Strong Program, and it was to help the Native American population navigate the institution. A lot of them were first generation students. So it was really extra supports that they had. And so obviously you're gonna have to have milestone measurements along the way, but you can sort of say, okay, let's use this program, we can start looking at its half-life as being the full uh, course to see are we graduating Native American students then at a higher rate than we had been in the past and hopefully closing the gap that we might have with the average student at our at, in our institution. Okay, so we talked about that was workflows and processes. So those we basically walk through the four steps of our framework, if you will, right? But now it's like, okay, that's great and all, we've got this, but how do we actually, these are the bonus tips, right? The bonus step fives and step six. How do we put this together? How do we get the right players on board with this? So we talked about elevating and permeating at the beginning of this. This is sort of the team that's gonna help you do this. Um, so let's talk about that, right? So, I, you know, one of the things is to first of all, get out of the idea of even though many of you are thinking about this from the Starfish framework or you're thinking about, um, you know, acquiring the Starfish platform, I want you to th don't, not think about this as software implementation, but rather I, we've got to create, and this is why I called it establishing program government governance instead of a project, because this really is not a single project. This is a program that you're instituting on your campus. Student success is something that doesn't end. It doesn't go away. So we've got to put structure around it. We've got to get organized. We have to have teams focused on this and, and aligned. And again, going back to the premise of this whole conversation today. And so um, the program governance really needs to have some leadership and a team around it. And the what we've found is that we need to go higher and higher in the organization. And institutions are quite frankly doing this. Most more and more are we're seeing, you know, VPs of student success and other kinds of titles. But ultimately, you have to have an executive sponsor. And our high recommendation is that executive sponsor is someone who reports to the president at the very top. Now, they may not be in the intricate details of all the strategic um, initiatives that you're going to be doing and all the interventions, but they have to feel like they're the owner of the student success initiatives, ultimate owner on your campus. Um, it's okay then to say, all right, we have a vice provost or an associate dean or someone else, vice president, um, who is specifically named to deal with student success. And we're seeing that more and more. That person could be your uh, student success lead, what we're called the strategic student success lead. They're not necessarily implementing software, but they are implementing student success on behalf of the institution. And they have enough authority to sort of bring together disparate groups. 
Okay, so we've got an executive sponsor, and it might be the same person, smaller institutions, less complex structurally institutions. This might be the same person, your executive sponsor and your student success lead, strategic student success lead. Uh, but in larger ones, it, it could be two different people. Um, you'll need a functional, what we just call a functional lead, sort of someone who understands the business operations. A little bit lower, uh, maybe a director, an associate dean, um, some even student success managers or coordinators who are thinking more holistically than only, you know, um, you know, advising, although they often come out of the advising office or lead the advising office, but they're thinking beyond the advising office typically um, and understand how the institution functions. And then we have um, a technical lead here. And even though I said this, don't think of this as just implementing a piece of software, um, inevitably software exists and needs to be implemented to enable all of this, uh, whether that's the Starfish platform or whether that's any other platform plus other things that you're going to do um, that will, you know, bolster your efforts here. You need to have someone in the IT side who feels ownership also and isn't just um, brought in for individual projects, but rather is part of the student success governance for this program. And so they can advocate within the IT structure on behalf of the activities that are being done in service of our students. Um, so it's really trying to line them up so you don't have to keep beg, borrowing, and stealing them. Every time you think one of your initiatives is over and they go off and do something else, now you got to go and petition them to pull them back. So let's get them on the team right from the start with a voice. And they often have interesting things to say. They understand the technology landscape and they can consult in a different way for you. And then you may or may not need to have a project manager who's independent of these people. Oftentimes our functional lead serves as a project manager. And then of course, there are other stakeholders that I'm sure you can think of right now that are very active and engaged across the institution. And of course, if they cross over into those other functional areas that are outside of your domain, all the better because you're bringing them into the bigger tent and you're helping everyone to start lining up around all these goals and aspirations that we have. Um, all right, and so then ultimately, what's the team doing? The executive sponsor, they need to be highly engaged in terms of setting vision and tone for what we're essentially doing is creating a culture change on campus. So they are the ones that create that tone and that vision for us. Um, our student success champion or strategic lead, if you will, um, has to have that holistic cross-functional view as, a, as our functional lead does. And then, like I said, the strong partnership formed with IT, getting a dedicated resource to be involved with this um, overarching program. Um, but then ultimately, you know, there's work to do regularly. When you're engaged with Starfish, you're going to have work to do as a team that's focused on the actual implementation of our uh, product platform. You'll have homework to do, not only come to our meetings and be involved in them, but you'll also have to do things outside of it. So this team is, you know, both a sort of, it, it may be involved in the implementation of things, uh, but they're also involved in the strategy uh, for deployment of those things, if you will. And they should be, all, of course, frequently socializing and communicating to all stakeholders to get everybody on board. And by having this framework of goals, initiatives, and so on, it will be that much easier to communicate all of the achievements and all of the things that you're doing because you're going to every one of your communications is going to tie back to some of these initiatives and goals that you have. And it'll just be 
the 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 emails that you send out that are project updates are just going to write themselves because all you have to do is plug in the numbers, plug in the activity, and say it was in service of this and it was in service of that, and everybody will know what you mean. Um, so ultimately, some rules for successful rollout here is basically just keeping your goals front and center. The idea is just continually remind people that everything we're doing is in service of these goals, um, and essentially we're. Uh, you know, it, it helps us to focus the activities in all these different areas as people start to go off. And you guys know, right, like, especially those of you who are student success champions today, who are trying to herd the cats of all these different departments, you're out there saying, yeah, I can't get this, you know, the financial aid office is doing their own thing. And this other office is out there, the veterans office, I can't bring them in. And so, you know, keeping the goals front and center and keep reminding people like, wait a minute, how does that thing you want to invest in? serve us toward these initiatives and goals that we have. And you just keep using this framework to drive those conversations and pull people in and create this big tent atmosphere um, where you're building allies across and you're using the data and you're using the um, shared goals and initiatives to sort of drive the conversation and call, pull people in. And again, I can't emphasize enough the communication up, down, across the organization, get creative about it. Put things out there in social media, put posters up on the wall, podcast if you want, send out emails, of course, um, and just repeat, repeat. Um, and ultimately, you have to persist and stay strong because really what we're trying to do, and this is what this framework is trying to do, is put an organizational hierarchy around something that is diffuse. All right. All right? So <laughs> you just have to stay in there and just hold the line, as they say, um, and keep reaching out. Uh, reach out to resistors, meet people where they are, try to understand where they are coming from, see if you can shape where they're coming from into the fold with the plan, and then um, you know, also at the same time try to avoid the tyranny of one, where you get that one loud person, one person in that department who's saying, I don't want to do it, they're resisting change or whatever, and then you say, well, none of them want to do this. So you know, I hear this a lot with the faculty, right? Like, oh, the faculty won't do this. When, you know, there's a loud segment of them that say they won't do it, but, it, you know, ultimately our data shows that they will because we have, you know, lots of, lots of success with our clients where they're engaged with our early alert process as an example. So um, often the tyranny of one gets you thinking that they won't be engaged, but they probably will. And not everything you do is going to work, but that's okay. You got to keep going at it, right? Got to keep, keep um, moving forward. All right, and then finally, uh, step six. One of the things that I was, you know, as I was thinking about this was saying, you know, by doing this, by having our, um, our student success activity all sort of lined up in this framework, it enables us to make stronger business case for our resources over time. It's, you know, the inevitable um, challenge that we all have is, you know, how do I prove, especially if you're a budget leader out there of a particular department, you're like, how do I prove that my tutoring office is successful and working? You know, because I, there's mixed numbers. I don't know. You know, people who come here are already failing classes, so it's hard to say that they didn't fail a class. You know, it, there's just a lot of challenges in measuring all of this. Um, but lining all of these things up will help you say, well, if there's only so many new, so many, much more money available or so many new resources that can be um, deployed, now you can make cases to deploy them in the certain interventions 
or for certain tools that enable certain processes or um, you know things that roll up to specific initiatives because you've lined it up and you've helped everybody see the structure of it and so instead of each department sort of fighting over that larger you know a larger piece of the pie um, you know everybody might need to expand a little bit there's always cost of living increases so to speak if you you know that might need to happen on these campuses but where should the extra go if there's extra um, you know, if it's, if you can show that you're lined up nicely with this kind of a plan, that's where the extra resources should go. The expansion of an intervention should go there if it's in service of the larger goals more directly. Um, and then the plan also helps you ensure that measurements are in place to evaluate the effectiveness, um, of your, you know, of your efforts as they progress over time. So it'll just kind of fuel itself in helping you make those cases for more resources for the things that are working if you line them all up according to a frame of this type. All right. Whew. I've got through this pretty quickly, right? So let's just review um, the six steps that we're talking about, right? So first, getting clear and specific about our goals, going back to that strategic plan and saying which of these things are in service of student success, pulling them out, and then using them to then look and say, we need to design some strategies and initiatives that provide some focus. So going to our best practices and using our analytics data to slice and dice and try to figure out who should, you know, where, where can we get the most bang for our buck, essentially. Um, then being intentional with our interventions. So again, making sure that the interventions have, um, you know, good measurements and are well documented, we understand their purpose and who they serve. Um, then create workflows and processes that help us close the loop that's a full workflow, not just a triggering workflow, so we can measure whether or not the behavior changed. And then um, we need to establish a student success team that has strong leadership at the top, but is a team of cross-functional folks that feel ownership of student success. And then ultimately that's gonna help us, like we just talked about, make that stronger business case for resources. And the idea here is ultimately what we're doing is fostering a culture of student success. This isn't about implementing a tool or having a single project. It's like I said in the beginning, it's an ongoing program. And when you line it up along this kind of a frame, um, it, will, it will sort of help um, fuel the activity going forward. To be clear, the document, the template that we are going to make available to folks who on the webinar today um, is really the outline. It's the start of a project plan, but it is not the project plan. There's additional layers to this. When you lay out your initiatives and you lay out your interventions and you want to make changes to those, you'll need plans to make those changes. So we certainly are more than happy to help you and work with you on those kinds of things. Um, at Starfish, um, but I do want to let you know that this is not, you know, substitute from a full project planning approach. This is really the framework to drive your planning process or to start getting you thinking about lining up um, action plans and so on for all of the kinds of activity that we just talked about today. So with that, I'll say thank you guys for listening and coming today. Um, we do want to get to questions, but before we do that, I just want to you know, make sure we do this housekeeping and let you know that you know you should keep an eye out for an email from us we're going to include the recording of the webinar you could share it with others on your campus who couldn't make it 
and um, our student success planning template. We're going to make that available to you as well. Also let you know that um, we have a, you know, a regular webinar series. We're doing them all the time, so you should be just tracking our webinars at the link that's at the bottom of the page. But our next webinar is on February 26th, so write that down right now, uh, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, and it's on evaluating what works. So using data and analytics to identify high-impact programs. So when you think back to which one was it, audience? Step two, where we were driving initiatives, those initiatives Remember, we used our data and our best practices, so the analytics. So this is a great webinar to do as a follow-on because this one's going to let you see how you can use analytics to slice and dice and figure out what those high-impact programs might be. Uh, all right, so that's all to say thank you very much and keep coming to the webinars. But now let's take um, – I'm looking at the team here to see if any questions or comments or suggestions came in. So you've got a question. Okay, there's a question out there. Geetha has a cold, by the way, so I yes. might repeat the question for you. <laughs> I do wish Starfish would help implement best practice attribute and system ties instead of leaving it up to the institution. Are there plans on doing this? We were told to create what we wanted, but didn't know exactly what we needed and not what Okay. So, question, so I'll summarize that then for folks. It's a question around uh, best practices uh, for... Uh, flags and other alerts, things that are happening in the early alert during an implementation of Starfish, and whether or not we have any plans to do anything specific or provide best practice examples and so on. So um, we do do some. We do actually have them as part, depending on when uh, this person implemented, it may or may not have been a part of their implementation experience, unfortunately, but we do have some best practice examples available when someone starts with us uh, immediately um, you start in our test environment with Starfish and that test environment includes a series of best practices um, based um, email, uh, sorry, um, flags and kudos and referrals and to-dos and action items and even some success plans. But we also have um, email notifications that go out to students, message templates that are designed around the growth mindset. Um, as well. So those things are all available and if you have already gone through an implementation, didn't get that experience, you can certainly check in with your consultant. They should be able to just let them know you talked about this in the webinar and they will um, be able to you know, show you some of those and help you with the implementation of those if, they, if need be. So I love this question. Yeah. How can we inspire leadership to invest in student success initiatives? Yeah. Okay. So somebody's out there struggling with the idea yeah, of uh, said, yeah, inspiring this. We don't have a student success department. Yeah. So this is that's that's exactly I think the crux of why we have been talking about this and sort of building this idea over over time because so many of our clients are in this mode uh, where people have even and I've seen it a lot as I you know I mentioned that I've been with Starfish for almost eight years and over that time. It's grown from, you know, maybe an advisor or the associate director of advisor advising sort of implementing Starfish. And they've said then, you know what, we need to um, actually do more. Um, and, and they start thinking about things more holistically. And they go beyond, um, they, go, they go beyond the, um, just the um, advising 
component and they start thinking about student success holistically and in so doing they um, you know, struggle. They end up running into this barrier where they're like, well, I know this has to be cross-functional. I know I got to get these other teams on board, but I just don't have enough authority because I'm at this lower level and I know I need to make change. Hopefully, some of the things that we talked about in this framework will help you sort of marshal some troops because if you could start to lay this out, and one of the things that we notice as we start working on, and you'll see when you get the template, you can start, just Google your own strategic plan. Even if you're not in a part of an organization where you have that front and center, which by the way, everybody should, but we don't for some reason, right? So then Google it, find it. You'll be able to see and almost fill out some of this template on your own. And when you do that and you go to your you know, direct supervisor or the dean of your department or whatever, you can start to say, hey, I, here's why we're not having the impact that we wanted. I can't get the other guys on board we need to move up the chain here so we can start getting them on board with some of these things. Because right now, we can't make a big enough impact on you know, this, this goal that we have because it's only within our department. So we need to, and so you start having that conversation by using a framework like this and start showing some data around this as well. Usually data helps support that too. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting service. Also, show notes can be found on our website at studentsuccesshe.com. And if you have questions or thoughts to share, please leave us a comment on our website, Facebook, or Twitter at Student Success HE. Until next time. <laughs>